Thank you for choosing Your Extra Tech Podcast. Be sure to check out the links and sponsors in the description. Hello and welcome to the YXT Podcast. My name is Jason and I will be your X-ray tech for today. Today I am joined by guest Prof B, Christian. Uh, you can find her on Instagram. You can find her on TikTok. Um, her tag names are OK She's Rad. Uh, you can also find her at Oh She's Rad. Um, and today we're going to be talking about advocacy and a few other things. So I, I really appreciate your time, Christian. Thank you so much for joining us on your Tech like podcast. Um, could you give us a little bit of a, a background? Yeah. Thank you, Jason, for having me. I'm excited to be here. Um, my name is Kristen Beinstroth. I have been a technologist for almost 12 years, and I've been a professor for 10 of those years. Um, and the the latest things that I've been doing is I've been trying to dive into how do I reach my students in a way that they um, like it. So I dove into TikTok and Instagram in this past year um, at the urging of a friend of mine and of my students. And it's been really exciting because I've been able to reach people um, just like you, met you on Instagram, uh, been able to reach people and spread the good word of radiology in a new and exciting way that um, seems to be really effective so far. So um, I'm a mom, I have two kids, um, and I am an assistant professor in Southern California in a Bachelor of Radiologic Sciences program, and I used to be an adjunct faculty um, in an associate's degree program for the last nine years, so I'm all about radiology. What made you choose radiology? How, How did you get into radiology? So um, it took me a long time. So I spent about four years just kind of farting around at community college trying to figure out what I wanted to do. And um, when I when I really got serious after like those first three years, I kind of examined all these different paths I had taken and I felt like they weren't for me. And then I thought, like, what really matters to me? So um, I always liked anatomy in high school. I felt like that was like the only science that I ever liked. And, um, and so I wanted to do something with that, but I knew nursing wasn't for me. And my mom was actually diagnosed with breast cancer when I was 16. So I was right there in the thick of it with her and she was diagnosed from a mammogram and had a really good outcome and still have my mom today, super lucky. And so I said, well, I like anatomy and this thing kind of saved my mom's life. I'd really like to try to give back and do something in mammo. And so I knew that you had to be an x-ray technologist to do that first And so I went um, pursuing an x-ray program. And at the end, we actually had a really cool opportunity to do MAMO as an elective. And so I took the class. I absolutely fell in love with it. I was like, oh, this is what I've been doing all my life. This is what I'm here for. And then I went to do my squishes in the clinic. And I was like, oh, this is not for me at all. (laughs) So so thankfully, I fell in love with x-ray along the way because MAMO was not, not for me. I was really lucky. I went to a program in Southern California where you get everything. You get CT, MRI, interventional, cath lab, MAMO. And then we also had like an elective inspector type route, um, Mm. just in case you wanted to like work for the state. Um, And of all the things, I really loved x-ray the most because it's the most hands-on. With CT and MRI, it's so much less about positioning. And, um, and so I really just stayed in x-ray. Um, and then two years after I had my certification, once I was qualified, I knew I wanted to teach. So I applied for an adjunct position and they turned me down. (laughs) (laughs) And then my program director ran into that person and said, oh, you made a huge mistake. 
And so they hired me and nice. the rest is kind of history. It's incredible how all those options are available. And even with education, you're still in the field and there's so many opportunities within education that, yeah. I mean, it's, just, it's pretty incredible. Wherever you end up, there's always going to be changes, right? Always going to be changes. Like you mentioned, to keep up with your students, you decided to go on social media, right? Because yeah. things change in general, right? And um, the field changes as well. So there's good changes and there's also changes that maybe aren't so good, right? Um, once you know best about what are the best changes or what should change are, are the technologists, the ones that are deep in the field who know the field the best. And you're always going to have some people on the outside want to make changes that are not so good um, for the field, but maybe for other reasons, Right. So I think advocacy is, is very important and, and technologists have a voice and technologists should speak up when it's time to speak up. And there's ways to speak up. Right. So can we talk a little bit about advocacy? Like what's your, um, you know, feelings behind advocacy and, and what are some ways that, you know, maybe you've helped or people can help with the field? Yeah. So advocate, advocacy is everything. We don't have our profession without advocacy. And kind of the way I see it is, um, if I'm not willing to advocate for myself and my profession, how could I possibly advocate for my patients when they need me? So um, that's something I got I got really active in, even as a student. So in 2011, when I was a, a senior, I got a scholarship from the ASRT to do this event called RT in DC. And um, what it is is uh, like a hundred technologists and students from all over the country descended on Capitol Hill in DC to try to get a bill passed. Hmm. That bill actually never passed, but it was called the CARE bill. Um, it was the Consistency, Accuracy, Responsibility, and Excellence in Medical Imaging and Radiation, ther care, or radiation Therapy Bill. Um, and it's right alongside with MARCA. So the, the bill to try to get uh, reimbursements for RA performed procedures. So um, so we did that and it was really cool. Dave Ghosh is the lobbyist for the ASRT. He gave us like a whole training session of how to talk to people. And um, we were really trying to get co-sponsors for the bill because as it happens, <laughs> politics is extremely hairy and messy. And so we we had tons of support for the bill. Everybody said, yeah, we'll vote for it. So what they were voting for was that we want to make federal licensure requirements for technologists, because even to this day, there are no federal licensure requirements as far as laws go. There are guidelines um, in the federal register for what makes a qualified technologist. Uh, however, with, uh, with guidelines, that's all they are. And so there's no enforcement mechanism. So then in the U.S. Constitution, it talks about, or it does not talk about health. Health is never once mentioned. And by mm. virtue of how it was created and what it serves, everything that's in the Constitution falls under federal jurisdiction. Anything that's not in the Constitution falls under state jurisdiction. And so we saw that like during COVID, right? So the states right. were really the ones making their own parameters for what was safe and what wasn't safe. And there was guidance at the federal level, but there was no firm, you have to do this, right? Because they don't have that, the legislative branch doesn't have that authority. So we found that everybody was for having a qualified technologist, because licensure um, ensures that you're qualified, that you've met competency requirements and training requirements and all of these things. 
Um, but it's really hard to get a bill to even make it to the floor for a vote if you don't have a ton of people pushing it forward. So that's why we, we descended is trying to get people to push that forward via a co-sponsorship. Um, and there were many times that it made it to the floor for a vote. It, you know, it, it dies in session every year. So you have to reintroduce it. And so we get reintroduced. So in 2012, the next year, my state affiliate, the California Society, actually paid for me to go on a grant again. Um, and I led the California team and kind of our initiatives to meet with as many senators and representatives as we could. Um, and unfortunately, that was never successful. So mm. it's kind of silly because in all states, every single state in the U.S., you have to have a license to be a dog groomer. Right. You have to have a license to be a nail technician. Um, but to do x-ray, there's still a handful of states that do not have any type of requirements for what makes a qualified technologist. Yeah. And unfortunately, the the state is where the jurisdiction falls for health because we fall under health. And if you don't have a licensing board that is setting these parameters and then enforcing them via a law, then nobody is really held accountable for their actions. So one of the things that's so important right now, we have a lot of encroachment issues. So in Tennessee, they actually got a licensure board a few years ago. And unfortunately, their, um, the Tennessee Hospital Association is actually trying to basically defund it and get rid of it before it ever even had a chance to get off the ground. Mm-hmm. Um, and and New Hampshire, <clears throat> New Hampshire also introduced a bill that would basically get rid of their licensure board. And what's terrifying about that is that organizations and individuals cannot be held responsible for their actions when it comes to medical imaging. Right. And um, as we know, there are liability claims from poor. The whole reason we have MQSA, the Mammography Quality Standards Act, which is the federal law, um, the only reason we have that is because a senator got breast cancer Mm. and it was undiagnosed from a poor quality x-ray. So then when she had a better quality x-ray later down the road, they looked at her priors as you do, and they found out that it was there all along. And so the right person did the right thing for everybody. And unfortunately, until somebody does the right thing again, um, you know, we're, we we don't have, we don't have um, enforcement mechanisms in quite a few States. Um, And, and the ones that we've worked so hard for, for so long and have really taken an incredible amount of work by by a very small amount of people, um, we're getting ready to lose them. So it's it's just it's a crazy time. I we've we've been on an upswing for so many years of you know the ASRT's grassroots network working with our state affiliates to help get these licensure laws passed and and the governance is so helpful and now it's all kind of backsliding. So I'm actually in the middle of a study on my own students. I have a 3-year prospective study going right now about professional values among students. And so in the preliminary data, I've done three data collections so far. I'm about halfway done. The thing that they find the least important, the thing that they place the least value on is political advocacy. Mm. So um, so I've kind of been engaging in those discussions. Like, why, why is that? And 
for the most part, most people think "Eh, somebody else is going to do that. And the truth is somebody is going to do it, but we're such a small community to begin with. And then the subsection of people that are true advocates is like a handful. Right. So, you know, even on Instagram, it's, it's the same 12 of us that kind of tag each other and lift each other up and share things and put out information. But the truth is like, we need numbers. So, um, so hopefully by doing things like you're doing (laughs) with, with a podcast, which is how you reach people these days, (laughs) um, you know, we can get that word out and try to get people more involved. Um, you know, I was really lucky the faculty at my program were, super involved. So even as a student, I was upfront. Um, and then like anybody, after I graduated, I was looking for work. I got married. I bought a house. I had kids. I dropped off too for a few years where I was kind of advocating from the sidelines, but I really wasn't getting up and saying anything about it. Um, but now, um, you know, the, the time is now. And right. when, when we have all these threats of encroachment, you know, all the states have threats of encroachment, especially for mid-level providers. Mid-level providers want to be able to order, perform, and diagnose medical imaging exams. And they do not have those qualifications to ensure that our patients are getting what's best. Right. So I told you I was long-winded. <laughs> no, that was that was awesome. Yeah, that's incredible. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of points there. Um, so first of all, you know, if somebody's wondering how early can they start or when can they start, that's pretty much as a student, right? There, there's Absolutely. opportunities as a student. So even right now for students that are listening, this is important and this is going to affect you whether you do something or you don't do something or you say something, or you don't say something. And not every institution is going to bring this up, you know, exactly for, for many reasons. Um, but it's very, very important. And um something we have to fight for there is literally only so many technologies that are licensed here in the states like literally it's a small world it's a small community yeah and nobody really knows our field even with the information that's available on the internet today the majority of people do not know our field and they assume they know what we do and you know that it's easy but in reality it's not and no not at all and and I think what we need to remind people is, is we are dealing with radiation and this is yeah. ionizing radiation. And just because you can't see it, you can't smell it, or you can't taste it does not mean it's not there. And radiation 100%. can have an effect. It could potentially have yeah. an effect. Yeah. So, so very important stuff. And and I'm glad you're on board with the social media. There's a lot of texts <laughs> that are not. Uh, eventually, no. I think they will jump. <laughs> they will come in. They, they will. Um, so this is the future. I mean, whether we like it or not, like this is the future. So we've got to adapt. And I think what helps me kind of stay relevant is my students. My students are the next generation, and I really try to instill in them. I'm like, I ain't doing this for me. You know, like <laughs> I'm on the I'm on the backside of my career. Um, I I'm doing this for y'all and it's important that you pick up where we leave off because you know, that if we don't keep that culture of advocacy going, it's just going to die. And then, and then your profession is going to die and then you're not going to have a job and you, you know, it's just such a ripple effect. And, 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 you know, things are happening right now, right now where jobs are 
being lost to artificial intelligence. You know, you go to most grocery stores, most grocery stores, the ones that can afford it, they're replacing their employees with self-checkouts. And the employees mm-hmm. don't even realize that. Like your employer wants to get rid of you and if not, pay you less. So why do you feel they want to make these changes? Why do, why do you feel in your opinion? I think that there is a real need out there. So we have a significant physician shortage that is only getting worse. So what they're doing to meet that shortage in a very effective way is they are making mid-level providers more available. Something to remember about a mid-level provider is they are provided with much less training than a physician. Um, Do they have a place? Absolutely. I am so proud of the mid-level providers that I work with, the PAs, NPs, RAs. They're all so valuable but everybody has limitations. Mm -hmm. And this is an area where if it takes us two years minimum plus prerequisites. So really like, let's, let's not lie about it. It's not actually two years, (laughs) but if it takes us three to four years to learn how to perform this job, what makes somebody think that they can take a crash course and Mm -hmm. be able to do what we do and what the physician, the radiologist does, which is diagnosing those. I mean, like we don't even get that part of it. That's so outside of our scope and it still takes us three to four years to even learn how to perform the exams. Um, it is terrifying to think, first of all, in a hospital, how little other health professions know about us and what we do. You know, nurses come down all the time and they're like, I didn't even know you guys did that. I'm like, (laughs) wow. You know, Or physicians, they're like, oh, wow, that's really cool. You guys can do that. Yeah, of course we can do that. Um, So to think that those people are trying to take our hard-earned, extremely rigorous training and education and Mm -hmm. bump it into a couple of weeks is insane to me. Um, And all that's going to do is decrease the quality right? So patients are not going to get mammograms. Number one example, it is so easy to miss microcalcifications that signify DCIS, which is cancer in its most treatable stage. So if my mom had a cruddy mammogram, her outcome would be so different right now. So that's the scary thing. I am all for getting more people in this field as long as they can meet the appropriate criteria. So if you're an NP out there and you want to be able to order, perform, and interpret exams, go to x-ray school. I encourage you to do that. What an excellent way to meet this shortage that we have. Um, Unfortunately, the ways that people are trying to encroach are dangerous. Absolutely. And like we have to think, if I have to think about it. So when we went to D.C., DC is a non-licensure entity, but Virginia is a licensure entity. So we had a running joke that if anything happened to us, drag my body across the border to Virginia, because at least I know a registered and qualified technologist is going to be doing my exam. Right. There is, um, and I mean, so licensure, it's not just about having licensure. It's about having adequate licensure. There's a great story that somebody told at RT and DC about they licensed their cat. Wow. Because the licensure process was just filling out an application and paying money. And I won't no say way. the state that that was. I've said the state before, and I don't want to I don't want to crap all over that state. Yeah. But um, 
And it wasn't even like, it's not like they put Jason as their name. <laughs> it was like Mr. Fluffles. Wow. Like it was so obviously that not, easy. yes, it was that yeah. easy. So, um, and there's, there's really good data out there about poor quality images and higher radiation and poor outcomes when yeah. you don't have a qualified technologist. And, and you know, what's funny and, is, I'm sorry to cut you out, but I, I know it's no, no, funny. No, no, no. It's, um, when, when people start learning what we do and why we do it, right. Once you get it a little bit in their minds and then you start to tell them, you know, there's states out there that don't require a license. And if you <gasps> were needed, yeah, exactly. And if you exactly. needed an exam, would you want to go? No, I would not do that. Right. So definitely not. Um, and, and whenever somebody's interested in the field and they want to travel to another state, I always say, just, just do your research, check to see what, that state requires um now things could always change like maybe a state mm -hmm. that doesn't you know sees hey you know maybe we should right and that's where yeah. advocacy comes in right or 100%. a state that does might one day decide oh may, let's try not to, what if we don't do it this time and, sure. and they're going to learn let's the save hard some way. money let's and right? that's let's what it comes save down some to some money i'm sorry yep. so those of you that's the other thing about licensure though it is revenue for Absolutely. for the state Absolutely. and the revenue that comes from paying your licensure fees pays the payroll of the people that are administering the program. Yes. So, you know, by Tennessee dissolving that board, now all of that revenue is going to go away. We'll be back after a quick break. Hey guys, a common question I get is if I offer tutoring or coaching, and the answer is yes, I do. You could sign up for a session by visiting yourxraytech.com. Plus, you could get $10 off your session with the promo code TECH10. That's T-E-C-H-1-0. I look forward to working with you soon. You have a voice. We need to speak up. Those of you are... Uh, on social media, uh, or, or even if you're not on social media, um, you know, you do have a voice, you can absolutely visit websites, right? Um, ASRT.org, ARRT.org. There's literally um, a survey out there, they want to hear what you have to say. Um, so um, we'll, we'll probably end up doing a part two. But um, mm -hmm. on, on the part two, uh, you know, we'll look a little bit more on the on the actual survey questions, we'll look at, you know, what they're trying to change. But, you know, I'm, I'm glad you brought up the big picture. The big picture mm -hmm. is these changes are not to benefit the technologists. These changes are not to benefit the patient. It really comes down to money. It does. Either way you look at it. So, ladies and gentlemen, if you don't need a license, that means they can hire anybody and they could pay them whatever they want. That's really what it comes down to. But And they will. And they will. And they will. And if you're in a state where you need to be licensed, that means they have to pay you a certain amount of money because you're qualified and you could perform the job well. The reason there is a shortage is not because there's a problem. The the, the reason there's a shortage is because they're seeing the opportunities, the the demand, the, the, the what an image can actually help with. So there's plenty of money out there that these modalities are making is just they don't want to dish it out <laughs> yeah they don't want to dish it i out. mean <laughs> and whether we like it or not like that is the state of the world the world runs on money everything yeah. is tied to money and to power and to politics Absolutely. so um and and so nurses 
when nurses fight for something, they show up in hundreds of thousands. You think about one facility, you think about like a 400 bed hospital, a mid-sized hospital, they're going to have hundreds of nurses on staff. They might have 45 technologists. <laughs> There's 375,000 technologists in the entire country, registered yeah. technologists. That is a tiny group. Yes. We do not have the numbers to go up against medical boards and nursing boards. Um, so growing our size is great, but in the meantime, we can't wait for that to happen. In the meantime, we have to speak louder than them yeah. and we have to provide evidence, a lot yeah. of evidence. Um, and so like when I was lobbying on the Hill, I had a, just a one slice of a chest CT and it was an aortic aneurysm and it was a blatantly obvious, like six times the normal size aneurysm. And so I kind of held it up to the, to the health LAs, the legislative assistants that we would meet with. And I was like, all right, so if it takes absolutely no skill to do this, can you tell me um, what's going on here? And of right. course, they're like, I don't know what I'm looking at. I'm like, well, let me tell you what I see as a registered technologist. That patient, their life is critical. Yeah. So I'm not, I'm not sending them back to the department without calling the physician and saying, hey, can you look at this, right? Um, I'm not qualified to diagnose, but let me tell you, I got theories. Right. Yeah. You know, we do radiographic pathology in school for a reason. And so, and the reason is so that I can identify those things and I can go get that patient aid or help because naturally if that wasn't ordered stat, which maybe it was, but if you get 75 stats in the ER, where's it going to go at the bottom of the list, right. if it's the last one that's ordered and then a physician's going to get to it in a timely manner. But the truth is it's probably not going to be in the next couple of minutes. Yeah. And having watched somebody die of a TAA, that is a critical moment where you have to be able to step in and do something. And when you do not have the training that we have, you're not going to be able to do that. Yeah. You know, it's not just x-ray, like it starts with x-ray, right? I even have yeah. a family member that worked in a chiropractor's office and they're like, Hey, can you do x-ray? I'll train you in a non-licensure state <laughs> when it was non-licensure or now it's licensure. Um, and so that, that family member was doing x-ray, um, completely unqualified, had no idea what they were doing. And then when that chiropractor retired, now that person was out of a job. Right. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, and being licensed opens up so many doors. Being qualified it opens up so many doors because, you know, if if you don't like it there or you hear another opportunity, uh, then you could take your license and you could go there with it. So I could definitely see this being a part two for sure. Um, but if you had one <laughs> yeah, thing to say, fun. if you had one thing to say to somebody that wanted to do something or wants to do something, what would be that one thing that you would say to them? Do it. Oh my God. Do not wait around for somebody else to do it. And the best way to do it is to join your state society and to join the American society of rad techs, the ASRT. Those are the people, what I love about the ASRT. First of all, there are so many resources that are free, free to technologists. I just did the ASRT leadership Academy last year, had the time of my life made 18 new siblings, basically, who we all support each other and lift each other up. It's amazing. Um, but the ASRT, their governance is really good. So right now, there's a big thing in education where they're trying to change something in education. Not only did they educate me on it, they drafted a letter 
that all I had to do was say, I agree. Right. <laughs> and they're going to send that letter for me because it takes time writing out a letter to a Senator that they may or may not read. Like all that takes time. We don't necessarily get training and like the eloquence of how you appeal to somebody in politics, but the SRT does it. So um, if you're thinking about doing something, if you have an idea, first of all, do it, talk about it, talk about it to anybody that will listen, radiology, non-radiology. I think that we are so good in radiology about networking within us. You know, it's, a, I always say it's a small world. You, you mentioned, oh, I got hired here. I'm like, oh, I know six people that work there. <laughs> like anywhere you go, I probably know somebody, right? Yeah. Um, but outside of radiology, we do tend to be a little stinky because I will tell you the number, the two most hated departments in the hospital, radiology and lab. Yeah. And that's because they got to wait on us. <laughs> yeah. yeah. A lot of, yeah. you know, a lot of treatment and diagnosis is pending our diagnostics. And so, um, and so we tend, we tend to get a little jaded about that, right? You get a little stink eyed about like, well, they're not working for us. Why would I, blah, blah, blah. well, we need their help. Unfortunately, yeah. we're a small group. We need their help. And so the more you talk to people inside and outside of radiology and the more recess resources you use, the more likely you are to be successful. I can say that all of my advocacy efforts have ended in zero results, right? Oh, like zero measurable <laughs> results. But do I know that I've made an impact on somebody, somebody's mindset? Absolutely. Right. And that's good enough for me. I think that the thing that makes advocacy so hard is that there is so few measurable wins that right. I can say, I made this law because this happened, Right. And it's really sad, but laws laws don't typically get made until somebody gets hurt. Yeah, absolutely. And and when you're dealing with radiation and all these different modalities, I mean, people could get hurt. Absolutely. It's, it, it's um, I mean, we could have a whole session on radiation safety and, and why things are put in play. And you could even just look yeah. back in history. I mean, people are so dramatized from history today because of what happened back mm -hmm. then. We've gone so far forward. Why move backwards now? So thank you so much, Kristen. Yeah. I appreciate your time. We we definitely should need to do this again. Um, yeah. To close it off, can how can they contact you? Um, what is your, uh, you know, what social media platforms are you on? Yes. You so on TikTok, uh, my handle is OSheRad. On Instagram, my handle is OKSheSRad. And then from there, you'll be able to find me on LinkedIn. Uh, my name is Kristen Beintroth, and I'm so happy to connect with anybody who has questions. I love to talk, as if you uh, may not have noticed so far. <laughs> um, and I also love to learn from people. So I would I would like to hear how everybody else is doing advocacy, because it's going to look different for every person. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Kristen. And hopefully we'll have you back on here again. All right, everybody. Thank awesome. you so much for listening. Thank you for joining. You can do something. Go ahead, leave a comment. Follow Christian on her social media platforms, and we'll see you on the next one. Thank you so much. Thank you. Some of the coolest radiology shirts, underscrubs, notebooks, and stickers are available at my website, yourxraytech.com. Check it out.